Hi, um, my name's Anya. I'm part of um, the leadership team here, and I've got the honour of um, summing up our series of the story of God. If you've um, not been with us um, during this series, then hopefully this will give you a bit of a recap as well. Um, But we've been following this through as part of our um, year of biblical literacy, which we've been doing since the beginning of 2018. And you might have been following year of biblical literacy yourself um, through daily readings. Um, There's an app for that. Um, Or you might be doing it in your midweek groups or in a huddle um, or just hearing about it um, on Sundays in church. Um, But the reason why we've focused the last six sessions on the story of God is because we feel like it's really important to see um, the whole story, the whole Bible in context and to see how it all fits together. So it can kind of be summarised in four parts, um, like four acts of a play. Um, So we've got creation at the beginning, um, act one. Act two is the fall uh, and then redemption and then renewal. So those words don't mean much to you um, up, on, up on the screen. They're coming up. Look at that. Power. Um, so if they don't mean much to you at the moment, hopefully that will just, we'll be able to explain a bit more about that as we go through this morning. Um, and for a while in church history, we focused on those middle two chapters, um, the middle two acts, fall and redemption. This means that we've We've simplified the story into a direct exchange of sin, the fool, with Jesus, the Redeemer. Um, sorry, I've got a, th- a throat sweet and I'm just crunching it. There you go. Um, so the kind of modern evangelical approach is saying all we need to do is acknowledge that we're sinners and that Jesus has come and wiped the um, slate clean and all's good. That's all we, need to, we really need to know. And this is definitely part of the story. So in Romans 3, it says, All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And we are justified by his grace as a gift through redemption that is in Jesus Christ. So we see this is a really central plot. Uh, This is really important. It's in the Bible. So we're not saying that this um, this isn't a key part. But it is just part of the story of God. Um, and if we focus on this, we kind of miss the beginning. We miss what God's great intentions were. And then we also miss the ending and see how God wants to resolve all things um, and bring all things back to him. It's kind of like, you know, if you um, read a book, you wouldn't just pick it up and leaf it through and just start somewhere in the middle, read a little bit and then put it back down again. You'd miss why, is, why are all these characters doing these strange things and what's going to happen in the end. You want to see the whole picture. Um, or if you go and see a movie, you wouldn't just sort of turn up. I did actually do this once. No, I didn't. But somebody else turned up like half an hour into the movie and then left before the end. I was like, this is really weird. Um, it was only Frozen, though. So um, I don't think they missed too much. Um, you can kind of work out where it's going. Um, and it was about two years after Frozen had been on, so I, c- I can forgive them. Um, I did think it was a waste of a cinema ticket, though. Um, but anyway, sorry, I digress. But normally, you wouldn't do that with a movie. Um, Pete often falls asleep um, watching a movie, and I know when he's fallen asleep because he'll wake up and laugh um, and hope that he's got a funny bit and just sort of like to disguise the fact that he's fallen asleep. Um, so he never gets away with it. Um, but, you know, if you do that, you kind of miss what's going on, and then he'll always be like, oh, so why have they done that, and what's happening there? You miss the whole picture. Um, so the story of God doesn't actually start, doesn't start with sin. It starts with creation, which was good, Uh, We see God join with Adam and Eve, which means humanity and life, to live in relationship with him. 
God makes humanity to play a part. He gives us all authority over land and creature and gives us a purpose. God creates the story with the start of us having a purpose. But quickly, mankind wants to do things their own way, which breaks down that relationship. And it doesn't take long before we get into Act 2, The Fall. Um, When the trust and the partnership between humanity and God is severed by sin and God's love is broken... Um, God's got a desire to partner and, re- and have a relationship with us. And so we see through the Old Testament, he continually tries to make a way for people to come back to him. But again and again, the people fail and reject God, and they're determined to do things their own way and worship themselves or try and find a different way to worship God. Let's just bend it this way and make it work for us. Um, or seek other relationships that is not putting God first or is not the relationship that God intended. And um, maybe that's not too different to the world that we live in now. And then God chooses this unlikely character, Abraham. Um, You know, I love how God chooses the most unusual people and people who've just got a whole mess in their lives. This is a pagan man who worships other things, worships the the stars in the sky. He has got no children. He says, I'm going to choose you and you're going to be significant and I'm going to make a covenant with you and you're going to be a father of all nations. And so basically, um, and, and the covenant says, says, um, if you follow my rules, um, then, and if you obey me, um, then I will bless you. You know, it's a sort of exchange contract. And then basically, the Old Testament, you know, we see God, God continually fulfilling his promise and people continually breaking that promise. Generation after generation. I mean, it's, it's pretty graphic and pretty sordid. Um, we've got idolatry and incest and murder and all kinds of mess going on um, in the Old Testament. And and, and throughout the whole Bible. But um, Moses says, there's something wrong with our hearts. We want to get this right. We want to be paying our part, <coughs> part of the bargain um, and repair that love, but we just can't do it in our own strength. And so the story of redemption continues to Jesus, and he comes to make a way and it makes a new covenant that's not dependent on us, it's not based on us and our works, um, but on God's grace. We see that God continues right from the beginning of the story, um, through with Jesus, to make a relationship with us, to partner with us, um, to, to use us. He still desires for us to be joined with him and to have a purpose in him. He shows us a new way to live and to walk in God's authority and his power. We see Jesus carrying the kingdom of heaven into earth. We begin to see the renewal of all things. We see miracles and healing, people being raised from the dead, all kinds of exciting things. And we, you know, we talk with our children in the VKs in, right from mini grapes age that Jesus came to do amazing, Jesus came and did amazing things, and we can do those things too. We get to do the things that Jesus did. And that's not just for the little ones to know um, and to try and work out what that means. You know, it's right through to us as adults. We get to do the amazing things that Jesus did. And he leaves us with a mission and with his Holy Spirit. And he says, to the early, and the early church is birthed. And the early church then becomes the partner with, with God. So we see Adam and Eve at the beginning, um, and then Abraham and all the people that are called to be part of this nation of Israel. Um, and then the early church is, becomes the bride of Christ. You know, it's a very significant partner. We all get to play a part. We're not working in our own strength with good intentions and these failing hearts and just constantly thinking, I need to get this right, I need to get this right. But we're empowered by the Holy Spirit. 
And we're given a mandate to share this good news, to go into all the world and reconcile all people with God. So the story becomes bigger than ourselves. It becomes bigger than these small little churches started, um, you know, the early church. It becomes bigger than just Central Vineyard. It becomes bigger than Northampton. It's about going and sharing um, beyond, um, beyond our own lives. Um, but we're living in a world where people are really resistant to this. You know, around us and, and possibly here as well, we have a sense of, I need to have my own success in the world. Um, people who can create their own story. And sometimes we can feel a bit lost in the middle of this story. So we're somewhere between um, the early church. We started to see um, redemption. We've uh, seen redemption, starting to see renewal. Um, but actually, we're not yet um, we're not yet seeing the full fruit of that. And it can feel really overwhelming. Of like, how do I operate in this? How do I stay in this story? Um, so we can either feel like it's too big, you know, when you see things on the news and you're just like, there's no way of helping that, so I just can't do anything, um, and just paralysed by fear. Um, it's a bit like that. Our mission um, can feel too big. Or just maybe, do you know what? I'm just comfortable um, with life and with my story and how things are, and so I'm just going to stay, just do my own thing, and paralysed by apathy. Um, but God calls us to stay in the story and to see the whole thing as a big picture. And remember, the story of God has not ended. The early church isn't where it all finishes, um, and it's not completed the part of renewal. We're, we're stuck in this, this now and the not yet. Uh, we're stuck in this broken world. So we, sometimes we see miracles happen, and we see you know, amazing things and healing, and people raised from the dead, and sometimes you know, heaven really breaks through. And sometimes it just doesn't seem to. We can pray and not see a healing happen. We can, you know, step out in faith and actually things feel really scary and things not work out the way that we want them to. Um, but God's, God gives us hope that, you know, we're in, this, we're in this phase now, but there is something more to come. This isn't where we're going to stay forever. We've got the story of new, uh, we've got the promise of new creation, a new partnership, a new life in full unity with God. And it's really got, if you look at Revelation, it's got great symmetry with the beginning so at the beginning, we start with a garden and then ends with a city garden. At the beginning, we've got a tree of life um, and then it ends with many trees of life. It starts with God's presence walking with Adam and Eve, with humanity and life, and ends with God living alongside men and women and all humanity living a new life. Humanity is called to rule in Genesis 1 and ends saying that humanity is reigning forever and ever. But, you know, this story can sometimes then feel a bit detached, like, wow, that's a great fairy tale, um, and if you've been brought up in the church or educated in a, you know, with a Christian education or in, in the UK even, it can feel like maybe a narrative that you've heard about, but just it seems so detached from our everyday life. Um, so how do we fit into this story? What significance has it got to us? What does it tell us about ourselves and our legacy and our, our importance? I mean, we all want to be significant. We all want to have a story. We want to be part of something bigger than ourselves. On a very basic level, it's what drives us to reproduce and what keeps the human race going. You know, there's, there's a desire to pass on the family name or pass on traditions. We see that in communities across the whole world. Um, and we don't want to just disappear and be forgotten. And God created that within us. You know, he wanted us to, to count for something and to partner with him. Um, a few years ago, um, 
I started looking into sort of family tree stuff of, of, I think it was when I was pregnant with Eleanor, I started this and um, wanted to sort of think, what's what's Eleanor's future and what's her past? And looked at sort of joint family trees from me and Pete um, and went back and back and back on on Ancestry.com and got completely sucked into um, this whole internet database um, and found it fascinating and traced family to like 1700s, um, looked through loads of family photographs and just was really interested to see where I'd come from. Um, Pete laughed at me and thought that I was just... Um, wasting my life until he then got sucked in as well Um, and um, he found an area of um, North Yorkshire kind of um, where some of his some generations had come from and we went on holiday near there and went to a church where lots of his family had been um, married and christened and buried and found gravestones with the family name on and it was brilliant to sort of think oh it's more than just us. You know, these are people that have lived before us, imagining their stories and knowing where you've come from. And we found a little area um, of the village that was named after the family name. Um, and sort of think, oh, you know, my life is bigger than just me. Um, and story, you know, story is really important. It's important to know where we come from. And when we know where we've come from, we carry that legacy and that inheritance. And sometimes, you know, stories not always positive, and we, we try and shake off what we've come from and try and create something new. Um, but it can just give us authority if we come from a good story um, to, to move into the future. Um, I watched an episode, it's not a programme I normally watch, but um, there's a TV programme, Who Do You Think You Are?, which traces, again, family history. Um, and there was an actor on there, Danny Dyer, who's in EastEnders, he's a bit rough and ready, and he, was, uh, he found out that his family came from really humble beginnings and his great-grandma or grandma was in a workhouse and was really living in poverty and he was so proud because I've become an actor and I've you know, got a big house for me and my family and was really proud that he'd been able to change his family history. Um, and then towards the end of the programme, um, the presenter created and rolled this scroll that showed back generation after generation. And at the top of the scroll, 22 times great-grandfather... Um, of Danny Dyer was medieval king um, Edward III. And so he was delighted. He was like, I'm royalty. That's it. Everybody's going to address me as, you know, your royal highness from now on. I'm going to get one of those big ruffs um, and walk around with that and nobody's going to speak down to me ever again. And went home to his wife and said, oh, you're a princess. Um, And, you know, we're next in line to the throne. Um, You know, move over everybody else. I'm, I'm going to be the next king. Um, actually, you know, we're, we're blue blood. Um, and it's, I mean, it was just, it was just humorous. But um, to see, actually, that changed his opinion of himself. Of, he was quite humbled by where he'd come from at first. And then thought, oh, I've, I've now got authority. I've now got, um, got power. A bit like, you know, if you, if you work in a large workplace and you have one of those badges that lets you into all areas or a backstage pass... Um, or an invitation to a special party, you know, you can have a sense of, I've, I've got authority here. It allows us to walk in sort of privilege. And actually, if we look at this story of God, and we see that we are called into this story, this is our story, that God has called us, and um, although we're not part of that chosen nation, he invites us in, adopts us into his family, then it gives us an idea that God's given us an inheritance, that we become part of his story. 
It says in Romans 8, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. And now we call him Abba Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm we are God's children. And since we are his children, we're his heirs. So if we see God as the king and the authority over all things, and he's adopted us and made us part of his family, then we get to be princes and princesses. We get to be royalty. We get to be the heirs to his throne. But, you know, it's not about giving us a sense of privilege so that we can go out today um, and see friends or strangers in Northampton and think that we're higher or more important. That's um, That's not God's way. But it's to motivate us to act like him. So let's remind ourselves of who Christ is, um, of how Christ um, behaved, because he knew his position, he knew his authority and his legacy. It says, though he was God, he did not think of himself, think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took on the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God, and he died a criminal's death on the cross. Here is the absolute example of of how we can behave as heirs to that throne. It doesn't give us authority to lord it over people or think equality with God as something that we need to cling to, but actually it's the humility, it's the getting alongside people, it's the way that Jesus behaved that he's calling us into. And so when we remind ourselves of the story um, of God, we need, to, we need to see how can we carry on this narrative? How can we live this out? How can we practice and imitate the behaviours um, that we see in, in Jesus? And a couple of weeks ago, Paul talked about uh, the role of the church, and he reminded us that we're co-workers with God. The church exists to be a body of Christ, to be living and breathing representation. We get to do this stuff, and we get to act like Jesus. And it's a big responsibility. You know, if, as a child, you might put a poster of somebody on your bedroom wall of who you want to be like, uh, whether it's a pop star or a football star or somebody that you could aspire to, to sort of look up to. Or maybe you had other role models in your life that you looked up to. If only I can be like that person. <coughs> and we do have that aspiration to be like Jesus, but not like looking at a picture of David Beckham. I never aspired to be a footballer, but, you know, not like looking at somebody who's completely different to what you may well achieve we actually have the Holy Spirit in us so we have a chance we have the same chance of being like Jesus of doing the things that Jesus did because we're filled with the Holy Spirit and we're partnered with God it's an ongoing story and it's not yet been written so we get to play our part um, and we get to shape our communities what we can see through the whole story of God when we look at it in as a big picture is that God has a plan for people. He intended to partner with us and to use us and to make us part of his story. And Jesus was really clear about what our our calling and what our role is. Um, And he was really clear about the authority that we carry. Um, At the end of Matthew, he gathers a group together. So this is after the resurrection, but before he goes into heaven. And he says, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Look, I've crushed the serpent's head. I've risen from the dead. I've justified the sinner. All humanity is made right with God to live out their vocation. Um, I've done it all. I have authority, and I've done it, so now you go. 
And he wasn't saying, I've got all authority and therefore I can tell you what to do. He's saying, I have all the power and you're going to be agents of this power too. I have all authority and you're going to be agents of this authority. So now you can go and tell the world, I'm empowering you. You have the power within you. And it's ours to take up. We have to stay in this story. And we can be tempted to make our own story. I mean, if you, um, you know, when it snows and you've got that lovely white crisp snow and nobody's been out, you want to be the first person to go out and, and make either a snow angel or just put your footprints in the, sa- in the snow. Or on a sandy beach when the, when the seas come in um, and then goes back out again and it's really crisp and just perfect. I don't know about anybody else, but you want to get a stick and write your name in the sand. You want to show that you've been there. You want to make your mark. Maybe, maybe that's just me. Anyone else want to do that? Yes. Um, you know, you want to show, I've been here, I've done something. You want to make an impact, um, and you want to make your time count for something. In the workplace or with your family, you don't want to be the person that nobody would miss if you just disappeared off for six months. You want somebody to be saying to you, you know, you've done a good job, you're really significant, what you do here really counts. And so for most of us in this room, um, you know, whether we admit it or not, we still search for that significance to, to be recognised and to hear that some, there is some difference because I'm here. But let me make it really clear. God has put this within us to need to be part of a story, to need to be significant, but he's also given us a story to be part of. You know, this, is, this story of God is where we're rooted. It's where we're called to. It's where we're commissioned. This is our story. So this might be the point where sort of the extroverts, the adventurers, um, those, the pioneers, are thinking, oh, I know you're probably right, but I really want my story. I want an adventure. I want something exciting. Um, or maybe others of you who are quite happy being led um, or, or sort of just going with, yeah, tell me where to go. That's great. I'll go with that story. But how do we really apply it? Um, well, let me tell you, this story, the story of God, is an adventure. It's not an easy option. It's not something for the couch potatoes. Um, It's not something that you can sit back and just say, yeah, I'll just sign on the dotted line and call that my story. It's not a bedtime story. I mean, if you read the Bible, it's not a bedtime story anyway. Um, But, you know, this story is about sacrifice and obedience and discomfort. Really not selling it here, I know. But, you know, God craves a relationship with him. And we see the same God right from the beginning and right through to the New Testament really desiring us to put him first. You know, how are you going to lay down other things in your life and put me first? How are you going to put my mission first? And so it will bring you challenge, but it will also bring you joy. It will bring you relationship. It will bring you peace. The story is about renewal, and we're, ex- we're invited to play an active part. We can't call ourselves Christians, or we can't call this a church, and not be part of the story of God. It's not just about posting a nice memory verse on Instagram, or telling our friends we can't make coffee on a Sunday morning because we attend church. You know, the story of God is bigger than that. It requires more of us. And we can't choose and, and pick the bits that we like. We can't think, do you know what, that verse about being heirs to the throne, I'll have that, I'll put that in my fridge, yep, that's me done. Because this is the same God who calls Abraham um, to kill his own son out of an act of obedience and sacrifice. It's an all-in or an all-out kind of story. And we need to decide what side we're on. 
And when I was a, when I was a kid, I used to love those storybooks that um, you could pick your own ending. So you get partway through, and then, you know, if you wanted it to end like this, then you turn to this page or like that, and you could decide how it was going to end um, and create your own future in the story. Um, but it says in the Bible quite clearly, we are not authors of our faith. We get to play a part, an active part, but we don't get to say where it's going to go. We know there's going to be a new creation. We know that Jesus is going to return. And we know there'll be a ruling and a judgment and an authority. There'll be a new heaven and a new earth. So we might be forward into thinking, you know, it's quite simple. We accept Christ and then we can skip right through to the end of those acts in the play and do the redemption. So we've been redeemed and we can just move through to the renewal or just wait it out. Um, as long as we behave and are a nice person, um, there's some great Christian values. As long as I sign up to those values and can just behave in a nice way, then that's good enough. Um, maybe maybe uh, using the analogy that my dad says about, are your bags on the glory train? You know, chuck your bags on, you're into heaven um, because you've committed to Christ. And all you've got to do now is sit in your seat on the train, keep quiet and make sure you don't get chucked off before it pulls into the station. Um, but actually, when we accept Christ, um, we say, yes, this is a true story, I believe. But it's more than just about accepting sin and saying that we, we want to enter into redemption. We actually are committing to an active story where we get to play a part. And it's not scripted, it's not written out scene by scene. Um, you know, we don't get to know what the next step is. All of us have got a different part to play in this story. But we do know from Jesus the characteristics that he's called us to demonstrate. We've received forgiveness. We are redeemed and we're living in his authority and adopted into his family. We're empowered through the Holy Spirit and living in freedom. But are, are our lives showing the fruit of these things? You know, these words sound great. Who wants to say, yeah, I'm forgiven, I'm redeemed, I've got authority, I'm adopted. They're all things that we want to put our hands up to say, yeah, I'll have some of that. But actually, there there's needs to be a consequence. Our lives need to be significantly differed, different because we've entered into the story. What fruit is there? What difference is there in our lives? And, you know, the world constantly tells us that we need to actually just fit in and conform and just keep your head down and carry on. But actually, God calls us to be different. So the Holy Spirit, when, when he's living in us, there should be fruit of that. The Holy Spirit produces fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And again, I'm sure many of our friends and family who aren't committed um, to Christ might say, I want to see those things in my life, or those are good morals I'd like to agree to. But this is talking about the Holy Spirit doing those things in us. It's not just about, like Moses saying at the beginning, um, you know, I want to get this right, but my heart's a mess. I just, there's just too much brokenness. And if we're trying to do those things in our own strength or just having nice morals to live up to, it's not going to show the full fruit. Our church needs to be different. You know, we're a collection of all different people um, from different backgrounds and dissimilar in lots of ways. But we're brought together by the commonality that we share this same story. We share the same inheritance and we share the same mandate and this same fruit. And we need to be continually committed to living in the story, to seeking out the Holy Spirit on a daily basis, to be seeking to live out that fruit. 
we have to stay in the story of love. And I'm not talking about a soppy emotion. I'm not talking about us going around and hugging and kissing everybody in the church. Um, but this is love as an action, love as a truth. We have to seek out how can we love others? How can we go that extra mile? You know, we've talked before about how can we show compassion in our lives? How can we put ourselves out and be inconvenienced and give away the best that we have out of love? We need to stay in the story of joy. We won't always be happy. You know, there's going to be things that happen in our lives that really rock us. And even days that you just feel grumpy and tired. But this is about allowing the Holy Spirit to encourage us and to use us to encourage others. It's about knowing joy because we've got security in God, in that our identity is rooted in him. We need to stay in the story of peace, to be the peacemaker and not the stirrer, to know when to stand out and shout for justice, and when to quietly get alongside the person who's been wronged and advocate them when no one's watching. We have to stay in the story of kindness, of goodness, of faithfulness, of gentleness, of self-control. We have to ask the Holy Spirit daily to help us produce that fruit. And what kind of a witness would it be if divorce and separation rates were less within the church? If the church was known for families that thrived and genuinely loved their neighbours? How would it reflect God if instead of stories hitting the headlines about abuse and failed policies in the church if there were stories of love and compassion and justice and peace. We're called to be different, but not because God just wants a little club of holy people, but because through these fruits, through love and joy and peace and faithfulness, through those things, we can join God in the renewal of all things. We can be part of the story of God, and we can carry it forward to the next chapters. We've got a story here that's significant, and a story that's different, and a story that's worth sharing. We've been invited into this story. We haven't necessarily got a history or a legacy because of um, a background or an area of the world that we live in, but because God has called us and adopted us into Abraham's generations. We can look back and see that we're part of something bigger. You know, so whatever your family history is, whatever your family tree, or if you, you know, looked back and around your family, whatever that is, God has invited us into his family. We can look forward, you know, and we don't just have to um, wait until we're retired or wait until a certain moment in our life where we can go on a big holiday for something to look forward to. But we can look forward to the hope and the expectation of what's to come. But also we can live with this authority and this power that God has given us and not just wait for, the, for the, um, you know, the end days to come, but actually God has given us a purpose and something to be doing now. So as, in, as individuals and as a church, we're, joined, we're called to join God in the renewal of all things. We don't want to just wait until, the, until our time ends on earth or cross our fingers and hope we get through those pearly gates but to be actively involved and to play a part.